You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hatterley, along with Carter Carls. We got a lot of stuff to get into today. We got spring practice right around the corner. Texas A&M basketball getting ready for the SEC tournament, coming off a massive win over Alabama. We're certainly going to dive into all that and, and, and plenty more. Carter, how's everything been going? It's March. Uh, that means I'm so happy. It's the great, like, I don't know. I don't want to say it's the best month because I love me some football, but like, it is, it is up there. I have a March birthday, so March is just the greatest time of the year. I, I, I'll, I'll say it. it's, it's the best month. I, I love it. It really is. And it, it's a lot better to be in the, the position that AM's in now, heading into the SEC tournament versus where they were a year ago, where it felt like they needed to go on a run to, to even have a chance and now now they enter sitting pretty spot secure and and they can just worry about potentially winning the tournament and and boosting a seed or or getting ready for for the ncaa tournament and you're right i mean you look at the way syracuse the season came to an end already on a on a buzzer beater the end of the jim Beheim era you're like this is march this is this we're right we're we're here now and and it's going to be a lot of fun to to watch the next couple of weeks. We got to start with that Texas A&M basketball game against Alabama. You know, I think all eyes were on how is that A&M going to deal with, with Alabama deal with Brandon Miller and that, that offense and defense, one of the best teams they'll play all year. And I don't know about you, but it felt like for a large portion of that game, they really controlled things. Alabama made a run here and there, but, but A&M grabbed control in the first half and, you know, made made some plays late. Wade Taylor made some huge plays once again, and and this team just continues to be absolutely on fire on on both ends. Yeah, toward the end of that game, it looked like it was going to be what Alabama had been doing, where they get in these early holes and they come back and win the game. But you saw A and M show why they're different than these other teams in the SEC that. They're really good at closing out games. They've won so many close games this year with their ability to get to the free throw line, with their ability to just be clutch and, and play defense. There have been several games, whether it be Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, where they'll just hold teams to like one field goal or something in the last four minutes. It was one of those deals again against Alabama. What really got them to that point, though, was that first half where they held them to – Season low, 22 points in that first half. And, you know, you look at the box score and you're like, okay, Brandon Miller, 19 points, good game. 10 rebounds, double-double, okay, probably a pretty good game. He was 7-23. He had five turnovers. Like, A&M really held the guy in check, I thought. 
there were there was a stretch there where he kind of heated up uh, middle of the second half, but and kind kind of brought him back. But for the most part, um, it an exceptional job. And uh, credit to Dexter Dennis, he was on him for a lot of the game. I know Anderson Garcia was on him for a little bit too. Uh, but Dexter Dennis, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I can't believe he's not on an All SEC defensive team. Uh, yeah, especially after that kind of performance, but. Uh, to me, he really showed why he's one of the better defenders in the country. And um, Wade Taylor, you mentioned it. This guy, um, they just need to get a, a fourth. I keep saying that. They need, they need to get a fourth every year for in basketball. AC Law the fourth, Wade Taylor the fourth. I guess it's just <laughs> destined that they're going to be great because, uh, my gosh, that, that kid, the way he's come on those last few months, he's been, he's been special. Yeah, he plays – he's playing with so much more control now, so much more feel. He – He's 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 not afraid to kind of go, and I feel like AM really needed this type of guy. We talked about it really last year a little bit, and, and Quentin Jackson kind of emerged into this guy. But AM needed a guy if a possession's breaking down or things are just going haywire late. They need a guy that can just go get a basket and go find a way to to make a play. And Wade Taylor's really developed into that type of guy that can just make something happen and get you a bucket when when things might not look pretty and. You mentioned Anderson Garcia, and I think he deserves a ton of credit. And it's it's a name that continuously he might not flash a ton in the box score. I think it's he has he is more and more now in terms of you know he's his production has gone on up up and up over the course of the year. But those instinctual plays like the steal at the end of the Alabama game that he just knew right place where exactly where to be and, and comes up with a steal that really seals that game. He's just made so many huge plays time and time again and, and developed into a really, really, really huge player on this team. I, I love me some Anderson Garcia. Any any basketball purist who just kiss. loves the game of basketball, you love a player like that who's just willing to take a charge, dive on the floor, uh, and accept his role. I mean, he yeah. doesn't need to score to make an impact, and that that's that's pretty awesome to see. I actually got a chance to talk with him one-on-one a couple days ago. And, you know, he hadn't we hadn't talked to him at all this season. Uh, so it was really interesting to kind of hear his story growing up in the Dominican Republic. But, uh, you know, I'll obviously write about something like uh, about him later. But um, one thing I do want to mention, because I don't know how widely known this is, but one of the things that he does, and you've probably seen it, when he takes a charge, he'll usually play dead for a little bit. Uh, he'll just kind of. I have kind of seen a little bit of that. And the reason why is he's mimicking what the toys do in Toy Story because he's Andy. So he, you know, if you haven't seen Toy Story, the toys <laughs> are alive. And whenever a human gets in the room, they all have to like lay motionless like they're dead. So that, or they're not alive. And that's what Andy Garcia is doing. And you see him after the game. He, he has like a designated person in the in the Aggie band that he goes up yep. to and takes their trumpet and pretends like he's playing it. Um, and now they've got a saying. They they they're saying is Andy's coming. Uh, so it, it's just the the guy has so much of a personality that I don't think people like people see it, but they don't fully understand it just yet. And I'm excited to write about that. Because he he is definitely a character. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and we, I feel like he you know he his his commitment kind of went 
you know, obviously they got Julius Marble and Andy Garcia kind of in 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 quick succession. And I and everybody could kind of look at at Julius Marble and say, okay, this guy is from Michigan State, you know, coming back home, has had some big, you know, was a former top prospect. The Anderson Garcia one went kind of under the radar a little bit. And, you know, you can kind of point to the game that he had against against AM to close out the regular season last year. I believe had a, he had a career high in points and rebounds. And you were like, okay, AM clearly liked what they saw during they got the up close and personal um view of that and like and liked what they saw. But he like chemistry wise, like you said, some of those things, like the Toy Story example and the and playing in the band. It's just like he's become part of like the culture and just developed into like such a good fit. Just a guy that you love to have around the locker room and 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 a guy that's fun to go on road trips with and and you know he's going to keep you entertained and 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 come up with these kind of quirky jokes. He's just a he's a, he's a fun guy to follow and a guy that's easy to root for because like you said he really embraces his role and you know, he, he goes in knowing exactly what he needs to do. He's going to draw charges. He's going to come up with some of those gritty plays and, and go from there. I, 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 I did want to pick up on your point, though, about the uh, the postseason awards because I thought they were a couple of interesting ones. And the Dexter Dennis one was, was certainly one. And I I don't know. I, I kind of looked at the Jerry Stackhouse co- SEC Coach of the Year as well. I know they had a great month to close out the year. But I'm not sure it really measures up to to what A&M did. I mean, you're talking about a team that's a, a fringe tournament team right now. I'm just not really sure how that stacks up to what A&M did going 15-3. and three. I didn't get it either. I mean, I, I also wondered, like, I thought it was a Nate Oates versus Buzz Williams race, to be honest. Yeah, I did too. And maybe Dennis Gates too. Let's give him. And Dennis Gates. I mean, yeah. Missouri was not expected to get it all. and they're. Yeah. They're probably an eight or nine seed if the if the season ended today, uh, and it's first season there. So yeah, that was really impressive. Uh, but you know, A and M, I guess the argument you could make is like, hey, they were preseason number twenty four, and right now they're eighteenth. That's about where they were expected to finish. Yeah. But if you followed the season and understood what it took for them to get here. That's really the thing that's impressive. Uh, not many teams have had the turnaround that they've had in, in recent memory. So to me, either you give it to somebody that has a unique path to getting to where they were, like A&M or like Missouri, or just like, hey, who's the best and or who, who had the best record? Nate Oates had it. But I also wonder if, you know, the whole situation, Brandon Miller and, and, and Nate Oates, mm-hmm. Did that cause voters to say, "Yeah, we don't want to really vote for that guy"? Yeah, uh, we'll just we'll, we'll pass on that one. Yeah, they, so it was, it was very deserved for him, and it was good to see him get that because I I definitely thought that he should have been recognized. No doubt, and and you mentioned, I mean, even I think they were picked sixth in the SEC to begin the year, kind of a you know a team that was going to be probably a solid sec team and, and could make a push for the tournament. I don't know that anybody saw 15 and three coming. I think, you know, the way that they, you know, beat teams like Tennessee and Auburn and, and some teams that were projected to be really good. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's an amazing coaching job, the way he's, he's pulled these guys together and, and, and got them just firing on all cylinders. 
I mean, they're just they're they're playing right now is is as well as they've they've hit for the second year in a row or kind of hitting that that when they hit late January, early February, this team seems to find a gear and goes and it's and 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 never looks back. And that's kind of the spot they seem to be in. And and Dexter Dennis, I don't I don't know if there's there's honestly a better defender out there. I was really surprised that he was not on the the all all defensive team and and maybe to the point that it goes to AM such a good, you know, defensive team overall. But Dexter Dennis is a huge part of that. You look at the, you know, that Ole Miss game, the beginning of the Ole Miss game, the one he sat out, they missed him real bad. The first, the first bit of that game with him, with him not out, with him sitting out that game, you could tell it took them a, a minute to kind of adjust uh, without him on the, out on the court. You know, I, uh, I asked Buzz Williams about it yesterday, this press conference and, it's very interesting this season. There are times where it's almost like he wants to say something and like defend his players. Like he went on a rant yesterday. I don't know if you saw it about like, yeah, this NCAA tournament, I still don't know how they select this stuff. Like, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what does net mean? How is that measured? Like, how can I not know how net, net is measured? But then you ask him about Dexter Dennis not getting it. He's just like, yeah, people were surprised, and that, that was kind of it. So, I think, you know, they want to have these players motivated and not distracted, right? Yep. So when I asked Dexter about it, he's like, "Hey, man, it's whatever. Like, who cares?" And I, you know, he's already won the you know yeah. American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He's already one of the more like accomplished players on this team. It's, it's almost my age. He's, he's he's 24. I think he's almost 25. So this is like a grown man we're talking about. Like this this guy is not going to get caught up with awards. Um, if anything, I think he'll be motivated by it. And it, it almost comes at the perfect time. Like you kind of want, if you're an A&M fan, this to happen to him at this time because, hey, these games coming up are really important and he's going to be coming out with some extra fire you'd like to think. No doubt. And you, you just mentioned the maturity. He's probably one of the more ma- mature kids I've ever spoken to in terms of when he showed up. Hilarious. You know, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. And he, uh, you know, he fit right in, you know, they kind of did something similar to what they did yesterday um, during the preseason where they spread everybody around the court and kind of had, you know, you could go up to any player that you wanted and spend some time talking with him. And he was over messing with, Man, yep. with Manny Obasiki and Wade Taylor and all oh, these guys. This was in the preseason. And he'd been there like a month. The entire time we were interviewing those guys, he was just yelling out things and talking <laughs> with people and messing around. And, you know, a lot of the other players, they loved it and they did it too. Solomon Washington was doing it. Yeah. Manny Obasiki was doing it. Uh, Wade Taylor was John back with guys playfully. This is a team where you see the chemistry, the culture. It mm-hmm. just seems like they're all really close. They, they all. Someone Washington was saying, "Hey, when are we getting our tattoo after this?" You know, like yeah. they were all really close a, as a team. Um, I know one of their equipment managers, Jack. Uh, he was recognized at uh, Senior Day last Saturday, and I was talking with him, and and he had mentioned that, like, yeah, I, I knew that was coming, like three weeks ago like you don't often see a team 
recognize an equipment manager no. in your day. And like, it was almost like he was another player. He was hanging out with these guys. They're all joking around and, you know, it just, it's, it's cool to see a team that, that has fun being around each other and, and playing basketball with each other. A lot of the guys, what's fascinating about that. I don't think there's a single guy on the team that's been there for more than two years. Exactly. So that doesn't happen. Or Andre Gordon. Andre Gordon's kind of the elder statesman. Yeah, he's the only one. But he's he's the elder statesman of the team. But and and to your point, like Dexter Dennis, when I talked to him, I was like, hey, what can you kind of you know, what wisdom can you share with these guys having played basketball for now five years? And he was like, hey, I'm not trying to teach them anything. They're teaching me stuff. And it's like. He didn't come in with any sort of an ego and 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 to your point, I think that's kind of just the culture that AM kind of instills is to have fun with each other. You know, they kind of know when it's time to work, but when it's time to, you know, kind of get off the court and enjoy each other, these guys hang out a ton off the court. Yeah. Um, watching college basketball, they'll take visitors with them and 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 have them hang out with them like they're a part of the team too. Like they're just a they're they're a fun group of guys, and you see it kind of translate onto the court. And probably one of the reasons when things go south, like they did in the non-conference, they're able to kind of kick things back into gear and 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 rebound from that stuff because the season could have gone south after the the loss to Wofford, and in, instead it's gone completely the opposite direction. Talk to Wade about the turnaround. Talk to some of the other guys, and they said that the turning point after the Wofford game was Wade Taylor and Henry Coleman texted the group message that they're all in. And they said, Hey guys, we, we got to get this figured out. Like we can't do this. Like we don't want our season to end at Christmas. Like, come on, like let, let's get this figured yeah. out. And they had to practice Christmas night that changed everything for them. It, they installed some new plays. They, just had a different kind of energy about them. They said it's one of the best practices that they'd had all season. And then after that, I think you started to see this team gel in a lot of different ways. You, you saw them figure out their roles. I mean, Anderson Garcia, first month or two, did he just kind of looked like a deer in the head. Yeah, he did. And didn't know what he was doing. They were relying a lot on Andre Gordon. They weren't. They obviously don't now. They they their rotations looked entirely different than what they look like now. Solomon Washington yeah. was barely playing. Uh, yeah. Many Obaski was playing a lot. He, he now it's he, he was out for a little bit. Julius Marble. It took him a little bit to get kind of in into the system and, and comfortable. Uh, so and then obviously the big one is Wade Taylor. He was not playing anything like he is now at the beginning mm-hmm. of this season. Uh, so it, it's been a night and day difference in a lot of different ways. You can't just point it to one thing, but it did start with that group message and that Christmas practice. And uh, Buzz talks about it. This is kind of how he coaches for them to peak kind of at that February to March time. And it's something that you can almost expect from this team going forward where they may start slow in a season and you might be thinking, oh, my gosh. what it's is going to frustrate the heck out of fans. Uh, but they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll get it together. No doubt. It took, um, you know, sometimes it takes one practice, one moment for, 
for things to kind of kind of turn and and this team you you're right they're playing exactly the way they want to be they're peaking at the right time right now and and they're going to be fun to watch over the couple next couple of weeks we're going to talk it uh, we got we got some football to discuss too they're they're getting ready to start spring practice in in a little over a week now and and we're going to we're going to take a look at at some storylines to know heading into heading into the spring right after a quick break i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, we're going we're gonna to talk a little little spring practice which come which begins on March 20th you and tarp have kind of been running through some some position previews um done quarterback receive uh, done quarterback running back tight end so far gonna dive into receiver and, and offensive line as well this week and and I think we that's a good place for us to start kind of there and, and look at the defense next week uh, on the offensive side what are some big kind of storylines you're watching? Well, yeah, obviously I have to start with Bobby Petrino. Uh, mm-hmm. Being a new offensive coordinator, what his dynamic will look like, how much he'll be involved, how much control he'll have. Obviously, we know that he's been involved with these hires that they've made on the offensive side of the ball. He's been involved or will be involved with play calling and game planning and things like that. But, you know, what it'll look like exactly this spring it's just sort of an appetizer for what you'll see this fall. I don't think we'll yeah. learn everything, but we'll be interesting to see just the difference in how he trains and, and tries to develop quarterbacks as opposed to what they did under Damon Craig and, and obviously moving him to wide receivers coach, another story line to watch. Uh, but, you know, then you, you look at just position by position and there's some intriguing storylines. I think with, with quarterback, you feel pretty set with Connor Wigman, uh, but you'd like to see him kind of take this by the horns and say, hey, I, I'm the number one guy. This, this is happening. Like, yeah. I'm the guy, and you're not going to question it. You'd like to see him do that this spring. Uh, obviously, Max Johnson came here to compete, so he's going to look to make this as much of a competition as possible. And you can look at last year and say, well, Connor Wigman didn't play until – there are no quarterbacks to play, and yeah. and Max Johnson was that guy middle of the season until he got hurt. So you know Max Johnson may be going in this spring saying, "Hey, I'm still in this too." But yeah. uh, you'd like to see Connor Wigman be the guy. He ultimately, has the, the highest ceiling. 
And you'd like to think that he's going to take that uh, challenge this spring and really run with it. Um, other positions, uh, we want to run through them, right? Like, oh, right. Um, that's just going to be who's replacing Devon A-Chain, right? Who's going to be the next guy? Uh, three three guys really stand out. Mark Daniels being the most experienced, the, the, the most veteran guy of the bunch. Uh, Le'Veon Moss going into his second year. And then with the five-star freshman, uh, Reuben Owens, who was an early enrollee. Really the three guys that you're looking at to compete for that spot. Um, it's almost a guessing game to, to say who it will who it will be, but I do think kind of an underrated storyline because people want to talk about who's replacing A-Chain. I'm really looking at how much of a rotation is there going to be. Yeah. Because last year, A-Chain was the only guy, and we saw him wear down a lot last season. He'd have a really strong first half, not a very strong second half. Awesome running back, great talent, but – no running back can withstand a beating consistently without getting a little bit of a breather every now and then. So you'd like to see them have some sort of rotation. I don't think there's one guy that stands out as, oh, he's way better than everybody else in that room. But there's also a lot of talent there that you can't just leave off the field. So I do think just my best guess is that there will be some sort of running back committee or or, or at least more of a rotation than they had last season. I don't expect somebody to be a workhorse back. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking at there. Um, you feel the most comfortable about wide receiver, right? I mean, you're bringing back three absolute studs and Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad and Evan Stewart. Um, you think those guys are, are really going to be able to take this offense to the next level. Uh, and then tight end, uh, it was a position that didn't get a lot of production last season. Um, yeah, I think it was the, the first season in a while an A&M tight end did not have uh, at least 30 catches, at least 400 yards, and at least four touchdowns. It was that the first mm-hmm. time under Jimbo Fisher that that happened. Um, but I think there's optimism that they'll get back to that point this season. You really like what you saw in Donovan Green. I think the production just wasn't there because he didn't play every game last season and he's a true freshman. So he'll pick it up. Max Wright coming back I think is huge for that room, just leadership-wise. Uh, and then there's a few other guys in there that, like Jake Johnson, where you think, well, could this be a guy who pushes for, for playing time uh, and, and, and kind of lives up to that hype he had as a top 100 recruit. And then lastly, and I know I'm long-winded, but uh, lastly, offensive line. Yeah, which is intriguing nonetheless. Not Last but not least, but still intriguing. Still intriguing. You know, I talk about how wide receiver is the group that I'm like, yeah, they're going to be the best. Offensive line, I think this is the worst group of the whole offense. They have the most questions. We were doing the math earlier. We think there might be only 11 healthy linemen on the roster this spring. Uh, so that is a concern. You know, how do you scrimmage? How do you practice with 11 healthy guys? Are you going to have a lot of walk-ons in those rotations? Uh, but you just look top to bottom. You think you have your starters entrenched, right? You think you have Trey Zune at left tackle. You think you have Cam Dewberry at left guard, Bryce Foster, Aiden Robinson, and then Ruben Fothery. Uh, 
but it's a group that's been plagued by injuries in the last year. It's a group that gave up a lot of pressures. It's a group that was very bad in pass protection. Uh, they're pretty good run blocking for the most part, um, but you felt like they maybe left a little bit on the table for Devon A-Chain. Uh, but for the most part, just a lot of head-scratching stuff at, at that position. And the depth there, I'm very concerned about. So <laughs> it's a position, I mean, I could go on and on. We could do a whole podcast about this offensive line group, but I'm yeah. really not feeling good about this group this offseason. On the offense, it's my biggest concern. I do think having the continuity coming back, having this, this group be more healthy should make them better. But to expect them to be healthy for a whole season and for these depth issues to not be a little bit exposed, I don't know if that's realistic. So I'm feeling a little shaky about this offensive line group. I kind of, when it comes to the offensive line, I kind of want to see them start to match. When you when you look at Steve Adazio and like his personality and the way he coaches, you think like this is going to be a nasty, nasty group in the trenches that's just going to get after you and maul you in the run game. and. It happened at times, like, but I don't think that offensive line group really matched up to, you know, his personality and the way he wants them to play. And so that's kind of one of the things I kind of want to see this spring is do they kind of start to get a little more physical in the trenches? Can they can they start to open up some of those holes? Like you mentioned, they left a little bit on the table for Devon Achain and and you know had some struggles in in pass protection at times. I want to see them start to to kind of match that and take that that step in year two, I think continuity certainly helps. And, you know, but, but ultimately that group's got to stay healthy. If you're rotating guys in, we've seen it the last two years. If you're rotating guys in constantly, there's zero continuity, you know, there's there's just, there's, there's zero rhythm to everything. They, they're, they're not in sync and, and it has, it has a factor on the entire offense. And then you talk about the running back position, I'm intrigued by the running back position because when we were talking about, oh, who is number, who is running back one, like heading into the spring, and it's it's probably razor close between Le'Veon Moss and Amari Daniels, and and Ruben Owens is right there in the mix as well. I I wouldn't be shocked at all if Ruben Owens is the guy during the fall that's yeah. that's receiving significant carries. I I do think you'll start to see more of a a rotation there, and I think it it. It, it it's going to keep guys more fresh. It you know Devon Ashain did wear down the last part of last year. He had to carry a lot of the load. Like he was he was the big play guy. That you know when they needed a spark in the Arkansas game, he had that seventy yard run and 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 was really the only way at times that they were able to create big plays. I I think I I do feel good about receiver. Obviously having Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, and Nia Smith back. And I think one of the things that'll be interesting to watch this spring, how does Anaya Smith get used? We, you know, we're really not sure. Is that going to be, is he going to mix in maybe a little bit with the running back room? And and how does Bobby Petrino maybe start to use him, you know, and and what step do the steps do the tight ends take in year two? I think a lot of last year was about the youth, like you mentioned. Donovan Green was kind of one of those guys. I think that's a good example of somebody that, Saw playing time kind of increase over the course of the year. He caught the touchdown against Alabama, had the touchdown late against LSU, uh, and, you know, can continue to kind of progress and develop and and grow more comfortable, which you would expect 
his freshman year. What does he look like heading into his, his sophomore year, and and can he kind of take that step? I will say, Matt, Jake Johnson last spring was one of the more impressive guys out there just in terms of size and how he moved and how he caught the ball and then battled some injuries and never really, like you said, saw the field as a freshman and was never really able to make an impact. So, um, you know, a lot of intriguing storylines to watch along this 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 group. And then the big question is Bobby Petrino. I was doing a podcast last week and they asked me, well, what schematically can we expect from Bobby Petrino? And that's a good question. I think we'll, we won't really know until we kind of get into the spring and see how he starts to use guys and, you know, what, what route preferences he likes and some of those stuff you can, you can talk about feed the studs and all that, but until yeah. we kind of see how he kind of meshes with Jimbo Fisher, I think that's, that's ultimately the biggest question. For sure. I, I do love just that philosophy though. Feed the studs. Mm-hmm. Every good offense is going to get the ball to their playmakers, no matter how they do it. And so having that flexibility, having the versatility of saying like, if you think of the, the that term, feed the studs, and you look at a guy like Anaya Smith, you might be saying, yeah, let's use him as a running back because he's a stud. Let's get him the ball, you know? Yeah. And, and the running back room isn't dominated by some workhorse back, so why not? You look at the concept of Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad, they both play the slot. But are you really going to tell me that one of them is going to get – significantly less snaps because he's going to have to rotate in the game. No, they're probably going to have Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, and Anaya Smith as their starting receivers. Yep. They're probably going to make it work. And even though, ooh, this but, – but he's not a Z receiver. Well, they're going to put him there. Like, that. Yeah. if they didn't, that'd be crazy to me because Moose Muhammad, Anaya Smith, Evan Stewart are your best three guys. If they're not your starting receivers – like you're making a big mistake. Like I, I like Noah Thomas, but you need to start Moose Muhammad. You don't need to have him yeah. rotating into the game. Same thing can be said for Nia Smith. And I think you can also make it work at the slot position where, you know, maybe you have Moose Muhammad be outside. He's done it before. He did it against Arkansas last year. But maybe you have him when he's in the slot, Anaya Smith's at running back. And you you kind of you kind of make yep, that's what I'm thinking. Work. And so I think there's creative ways to do both things. You know, you put Noah Thomas on the field, Moose is in the slot, nice at running back. You can make it work. So I think some fans, you know, they think, oh my God, how's this going to happen? Like they're both slot receivers. In a Bobby Petrino offense, I don't think you can quite think that way because he's just going to make it work. He's going to put the best players on the field. Like we say, he's going to feed the studs. And that's, and that's one of the things, to your point, right? Like a couple of years ago, you kind of asked Jimbo Fisher about it because you had Isaiah Spiller, you had Devon Oshane, and you had and you had Anaya Smith. And, and I kind of asked him, hey, is there a time when you look to get like all three of those guys on the field at once? Because that, yeah. you know, kind of feels like the studs. And he asked me kind of jokingly, but, you know, are you, are you thinking we run in the wing tee or something like that? No, but you're not going to run the wing tee, but – you're going to get guys out and maybe you put a guy in the slot or maybe you create kind of that matchup situation. You put Devon Achain in the slot and see if a, see if, see if a yeah. linebacker can cover him and see if somebody can keep up, keep up with them. There are ways I think that you can get, 
you know, and, and if, and if, if you're locking one guy into one spot and saying, well, he's only a, a slot guy or he's only an, an, an outside guy, I think you're, you're lacking creativity in the offense to be able to get as many playmakers as you can on the field and, and go from there and, and get your best players on the field. That's not to say Noah Thomas isn't, you know, an, an important piece. And, and if Gary Bryant were to join the mix when he visits later this month to, to get him in the mix, I don't think that you can have enough weapons where you can start to stress a defense. Injuries are going to happen. Things are going to happen throughout the year that the more guys you have and, and the more options you give yourself, the better. And so getting your three best guys on the field, I don't think there's anything anything wrong with that and, and finding a way to be able to do it. And And if that means putting guys in different spots and mixing things up, that's going to make it more tougher to, to guard and to, and to, to, you know, kind of predict what's coming as a defense. So I think you will see them kind of move guys around, maybe have Moose play in the slot, maybe have an I Smith at running back at times and, and kind of move things around and, and make things a little bit more uh, of a guessing game on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, a lot of interesting storylines can't wait for, for spring to kind of get going and we can kind of see we're only now just again over over a week away from from getting going and and we'll take a look at the uh the defense next week and and talk about texas a&m basketball coming off their sec tournament run and look ahead to the ncaa tournament which will get underway next week we'll have more on on who who texas a&m draws in their first round matchup uh when the seating and the brackets get revealed on on sunday night so until then have a great week, and and as a reminder, uh, be sure to hit that like and share button on YouTube, five star review on Spotify and 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 iTunes, and and have a great week, and and we'll see you guys soon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.